0: Father in heaven, thank you for another beautiful day here at camp meeting. Thank you for the privilege of being able to uh, come to these seminars. And today, as Bob and Alcina share, we just ask that you will speak through them in a powerful way, that we can gain insights and wisdom to the way that you want us to handle your finances. Because we know that nothing is ours. Everything is is just entrusted to us to manage. And um, we're just so thankful for that. And we just love you. And um, ask that you will be here in Jesus' name, amen.
1: amen. All right, welcome. If you're wondering, if you're wondering if you're in the right place, this seminar is entitled "Managing God's Resources at Home." Uh, my name is Bob Benson, and <coughs> I'm
2: Alcina,
1: and we're a pastoral couple up in 13th Street uh, in Cadillac, Manton, and Meeseix Seventh Avenue Churches.
2: And uh, he's going to do the why, and I'm going to do the how, <laughs> basically.
1: So why are we talking about stewardship? Uh, So I'm going to read a a kind of a quote. I'm going to make a kind of a quote. And you tell me, fill in in the gap if you know what it is. What is the truest and greatest object in life? The object which underlies every other. The truest and greatest object. What would that be? Any ideas? The answer is to restore in us the image of God in our soul. That is the most important object. Uh, Secondly, the second part of that is, still quoting from the same source, in this case it would be Patriarchs and Prophets 595 or Christian Education 63. Uh, The second part is to be brought back into the perfection which man was first created. And so here we have this most important point, this truth that we want to highlight in the process of stewardship, and that is to restore the image of God in our soul. Not only our soul, but the soul of our children as well. As a church also. Maybe you say, I already have, I don't have any kids, but as a church, collectively, as schools, collectively, in all that we do, we want to put these principles in there. So how do we personally succeed and help our children and our youth to succeed in this restoration project? And um, so let's take a look. There's certain things that we want them to know, the basics, which is not stewardship. Uh, Just going through the sanctuary model, Uh, The acceptance of Christ is important. The uh, acceptance of Christ as Savior. The acceptance of Christ as Lord. That would be like at the labor, which includes the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, the commitment to Christ in that way. Uh, The daily practices of spiritual discipline, Bible study, prayer, and witnessing. That's a daily experience in the holy place. Uh, The most holy place, new covenant experience, a new heart, the law written on our heart and on our mind. Those are important, and as important as they are, this is not the seminar that's going to talk about that and flesh that out. But there is another sharp tool, and I do mean sharp. And this sharp tool that God has given us to help mold within us and our children, a Christ-like character, what do you think it might be? Since you're here at this, <laughs> since you're here at this seminar, you would probably guess biblical stewardship. Biblical stewardship is a sharp tool that God uses to mold the image of Christ's character in our life. Every day when we practice this, it happens. So stewardship, what is it? Basically, it's the effective biblical management of all the resources God has given us. truth, talents, body temple, time, uh, treasure, all those are part. We're going to focus on the treasure part today. Belsina is going to cover a lot of the basics on that. Uh, Why is this so important for helping us to model Christ's life in our experience Biblical stewardship helps us to make the kingdom of God a priority in our lives. You think about Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. There's that Christ-like character. Um, And all these other things, like don't worry like the pagans do about food and drink and clothing. Don't worry about those things. Put uh, the first part, uh, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and so, when you think about that in terms of time, the first part of the day would be having that personal relationship with Christ. Um, you know, one day out of seven, time with Christ on the Sabbath day. All of our resources, giving Him the very best of all of our talents and our skills. Uh, all of these things all apply to this principle. When you look at, uh, apply it to, let me slide down, Malachi. Talks about that as we return a tithe and give offerings, God is going to give us a blessing. So there's this, as we give to God, uh, we're returning to Him the blessings He already gave us. You know, you guys were born with health, with parents. There are so many things that God gave you already. A measure of faith is something given. You know, we think about how important faith is in the product of of developing a Christ-like character. These things were given, so like David said, when we give back to God, we're not we're not giving of our own, we're giving what God has already given to us. So biblical stewardship is really important in developing this character of Christ in us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse ten through twelve talks about the opposite. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, that while some have coveted it after this, they have erred from the faith, they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, men of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, etc., and fight the good fight of faith. So here we see that stewardship helps us to turn away from the things that would develop a Satan-like character. And as we turn our back on that, to put first the kingdom of God as righteousness, that helps us to walk down the lane of developing a Christ-like character. Stewardship also helps us to restore in us rightful worship. And heaven, the angels were saying, Worthy is the Lamb to, who was slain to receive. And they talked about seven things, honor and glory and strength and power and blessing and wisdom and riches. Is Christ worthy of receiving riches? Then he's worthy to receive back from us our tithes and our offerings. And as we return our tithes and our offerings, we are worshiping God. We are giving him worship. So, you know, for kids, every day when they do something, maybe there's a project and they earn a little something for it, you know, teach them that very day to put a little tithe aside and tell them as you're doing this, you are worshiping God. By giving the tithe, you're you're worshiping God. So even as we as adults, we get our paycheck, put that first tenth out. We're worshiping God. So it helps to restore in us the principle of worship. Um... There is a blessing in giving as well. So I'm going to turn it over. There's one more part. Development of faith. Faith is essential. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Ellen White had this vision, first vision. The Advent people were walking on this pathway. It got narrower and narrower, and they had to start leaving suitcases behind and everything else. And finally, they came to such narrow and difficult places in the path. The only way they could get through that was to grab a hold of the vines that were hanging down from heaven, and that would get them over the hump and around it, and that vine represents faith. I'll tell you, stewardship, you've heard many stories of people who didn't have enough money to pay tithe in all their bills. And the challenge was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, be faithful to God, give him the first tenth, and God will help you with the rest. That takes faith. And faith's what it takes for us to get through the last day experiences. So in order to prepare ourselves to stand to the last day trials and difficulties, we need this kind of faith. And we can get a lot of this faith through the practice, the faithful practice of stewardship. So these are just some of the reasons why stewardship is so important. Uh, It is for our kids' salvation. It's to help advance the work financially. The gospel has got to go everywhere before Jesus can come anywhere. And our monies that we return to God help hasten that day. So is going to take over and put a little bit of the practical spin on this great concept of stewardship.
2: All right, so I really liked his point. I had never thought of it the way that um, Bob presented it when he was talking to me about what he he was, this concept that he had, that that stewardship is a tool um, to develop our character. I'd never thought of that. You know, I'd always thought of it as the worship side, but that... One of the things that, it, that he said here is that it's a practical way every day or every week that we have to, to put into practice that God is first. Um, and it touches really close to home for many of us. Um, that's really just very, very important to us. And so it's a, it's a great way for God to um, let us practice our, our, our religion Um, I wanted to start with, this is one of my favorite verses, Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. Um, We talk a lot about verse 7. You hear that a lot. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You should talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That's all really important. But verse 7 is no good without verse 6. Verse 6, and these says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Then you can teach diligently to your children. So you're coming here to this class to learn how to teach finances to your kids. You have to make sure that first of all, you have the right concept of finances or you're not gonna be able to teach them to your children. Now the fact that you're here is a pretty good indication that you have that desire. And, and I'm so glad to see that you guys have an interest in it. By the way, how many of you have young children yourselves? Okay, and I know she does in the back because she brought her kids, yay. Okay, how many grandkids? How many of you are Sabbath school teachers or school teachers? Okay, good, all right. Just wanted to have an idea of what we had here. Okay, so the first thing, of course, that we're gonna talk to our kids about is that God owns everything. And if we don't have that concept, the rest of it is gonna fall apart because that's, to me, that's core. Um, And that that was revolutionary in my mind um, I knew God owned the, the tithe, and, and he owns the offering, but he owns everything. My car is his, my house is his, my my uh, appliances are his, everything is his. And uh, one of the stories that I liked best, and I can't remember which book it's in, but a guy who finally got this idea that, you know, everything was God's, and and. Somebody sideswiped his car and he had a huge scratch in it. And he said, and first off, his first instinct was to get angry, you know. And then he stopped and he said, you know what, God? I don't know why you wanted a scratch in your car, but you got one. And it just totally relieved his stress. It wasn't his car anymore. It was God's car. And if God wanted a scratch in the side of it, well, who was he to get angry about it? And that really does take a huge weight off of us on what we think about our stuff. It really prevents us from getting irritated and, and, and agitated about things that might happen to our things. Um, if you have that concept that everything is yours, if something gets stolen, well God, you must have wanted them to have it more than me. <laughs> you know, and it, it just really helps us to let it go. So, we can teach our kids that God owns everything and then of course we need to teach them about ties. 10% ties um, and offerings. By the way, Malachi talks about robbing God. He does not just say robbing God and tithes. He said tithes and offerings. And I think we need to get back the focus that, that robbing God is also when we withhold offerings from God. It's not enough to tithe. Offerings are above and beyond. Now, um, I put 10% in parentheses just because that's what I taught my kids, okay? But um, that's when we start out when they were little. Now they do their own percentage. And, and I don't know what it is. I know it's probably not 10%, <laughs> but I've told them it's up to you. You know, that is, that is your own heart's free will back to God. And they're at a point in their life, um, they're all 19 and up. So they're at a point in their life where they're responsible to God for themselves now. You were talking about when they were kids and, and when we were kids, what was it about offerings that you really liked when we were really little before we had our own money?
1: we received money from our parents to give for offerings to Sabbath school. It wasn't ours, it was our parents and it was God's, but they put it in our hands so we've gotten the habit of always coming to God and giving to God. When we come to God, He's done so much for us. Even if we don't have anything to give ourselves, we have money from our parents to give. And that instills the habit in them. So when they do get allowances or when they do make little projects and make money, they're already in the habit of taking out the first tenth right away, to worship God and give it back to Him. So that's that was the concept that we used. And, and it's
2: really true. Um,
1: children get in habits before they understand
2: the why, right? And I think that we need to, we can't wait for them to understand before we start them on the good habits of life. And offerings and tithes is one of those. The other thing is we need to teach them liberality, tithes, offerings, in our home, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but whenever the kids got a dollar, they put 10% for tithe, they put 10% for offering, and I made them put 10% for savings. It didn't take them very long to realize that a dollar was not a dollar for them. And I remember, uh, it was a couple years ago, they you know, they were in their teen years, and, and Daniel was talking about how much he was going to make, and he said, hmm, but that's really only so much for me. <laughs> and... I don't think that's a problem at all. I like that because you know what? It's the same when we're adults. When you get a paycheck, is that all yours? No. And I don't know why kids should think that everything belongs to them once they get it. They need to realize that there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. That money is not all theirs. You know, it belongs to God and it belongs to Uncle Sam and it belongs to the power company and it, you know, it belongs to a lot of people. But Beyond the tithe and the offerings, we also, in our family, put aside a little bit extra for special projects, whatever we might like to do at the moment. And we have a certain percentage that we set aside. And I liked to have family participation in where the extra might like to go. What's a special project or something that um, you really want to do? The kids also, I would let them decide somewhat where their offering went. Now, I think that it's really good to sit down with them when they're a little bit older, old enough to understand the tithe envelope. Go through and explain to them what the tithe envelope means. What are the different places? Because they have offerings, what does that mean? If you just throw it in the offering plate, what does that mean? And I, that's why, one reason why I don't think I'm qualified to teach this class, this is a lot of things I did wrong. But um, one of the things was, is that my kids did tithe. And one time I finally says, well, did you fill out your tithe envelope? No, I just put it in the offering plate. I said, that's not tithe. You just put your tithe in the offering plate. That's... And I just realized that I had not done a good enough job of sitting down and telling them how our offering system works. And it's like if you put it in the offering plate, it goes for whatever the offering is that day. But it's not going to be tithe. You have to actually put it in the tithe envelope and say it's tithe. Oh. So I realized I needed to do a lot more talking about it than I did. But they had some offerings, and I asked them, you know, what what do you want your offerings to go for? Well, they were in the middle, the church was in the middle right then of of remodeling their Sabbath school classroom, and they wanted to give it to that project. So they gave it to the project. It helped to go buy the paint and the uh, the carpet for their classroom. And then when they walked in their Sabbath school classroom, they owned part of that. And they had such a good feeling that they knew that they had helped to bring this about. So um, it's good to put stuff in the offering plate, but they also need to have something where it's a tangible, where they can see where their money goes. Um, We go on mission trips, and a lot of times part of our extra offerings goes for mission trips, but when they take it down there and they see the work that we're doing down there and they see how it's actually making an impact, it brings missions more, makes it more real to them. So... um, Let the family help decide. Okay, so first of all, we have tithes, we have offerings, and I told you I did. um, Oh, (laughs) okay. Um, This is part of the reason why I say an extra 10% for offerings and then another 5% or so beyond because of this um, quote in Patriarchs and Prophets which I think was really great. The contributions required of the Hebrews for religious and charitable purposes amounted to fully one-fourth. How much is that? 25%, and some of us are a little anxious about 10%. (laughs) They did 20, and she says fully one fourth, so actually it was a little bit beyond. It's fully one fourth of their income. So heavy a tax upon the resources of the people might be expected to reduce them to poverty, but on the contrary, the faithful observance of these regulations was one of the conditions of their prosperity. On condition of their obedience, God made them this promise. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. 25%. And I know I'm raising the bar pretty high. (laughs) But if you could shoot for that, you will see God's blessings. Malachi says, prove me prove me. Now I'm not here to tell you guys how much to give, but I think that we could all be more faithful. Um, and you know, what? Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, I think that we need to have faith in God and, and put our trust in him. But I also think that, um, when we do, it rewards our faith, which gives us more faith. And it, it becomes a vicious cycle. Um, I had somebody just this last week, there was a new baby, and the, the mom was saying how she wanted four more, and somebody says, oh, well, then you're going to have to go to work. And I was just so frustrated, and I waited till that person left. And I went to her and I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, um, my husband's a pastor. We live on a pastoral salary, and I don't work. And we've raised three kids, and we've—they're um, almost done with college. Half—one well, of them's halfway done, one of them's all the way done, and we have not taken on any debt, even for their education. I said it's possible, even on a pastor salary, one person to do it. Now, I'm not saying that everyone is able to, but I think that we short God when we just say, "Oh, we can't," and just take the easy way out. Um, I know single parents who do it. They don't have two salaries. What makes us think that we have to have two salaries? Now, if, if a woman wants to work and she chooses to, that's fine. But for somebody to come and say, oh, you have to work if you have three or four kids, I just, I didn't buy it. And I love this one as well. This is from Nine Testimonies. The spirit of liberality is the spirit of heaven. The principle there on the cross They're being on the cross because I skipped some stuff. Illustrated is to give, give. The principle of worldlings is to get, get. And thus they expect to secure happiness. But carried out in all its bearings, the fruit is misery and death. The more you give, the happier you are. And it is so true. You know, um, the reason I think, part of the reason that we, we have been able to put our kids through without any debt even in advanced education, by the way, um, is that we started out early on in our married life. Before our married life, we started on the right principles. And we have the benefit of our parents had the same values. So we graduated from school with no debt. So we started, um, we started with an advantage, because we had parents who believe this way. And I know that we are giving our kids an advantage by letting them start life without debt. So um, God is faithful and then that's why I think you know the third and fourth generation, they benefit from, from Godly counsel and Godly wisdom. So if you haven't done that I don't want anybody to leave you feeling bad because um, we had a, a step up on a lot of people the fact that we started. And I also took a class in college which was probably the most important class I ever took and it was on finances and I had a great teacher and he said, when you get married, live on one salary. Even before you have kids, live on one salary because if you're planning on doing it afterwards, you might as well get used to it and put the second salary towards your home. So we were able to sell, to pay off our home in seven years because we lived on one salary. And while I worked, the extra income went on, on paying off our house. So we had a great start. And um, not everybody is that fortunate. All right. I also said that I made them put aside 10% for savings. And this was long-term savings. This was college. We told them it was a college fund. I wanted them to get in the habit of putting money aside for future. Um, Daniel just came to us this last week. This is our youngest 19-year-old. And uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. And he said that he invested in the stock market. And it blew me away. This is my kid who can't keep a dime. I mean, if he has it, he wants to spend it. Um, And I'm not sure that I think that he did the best as far as what he chose. Um, I would have given him some other counsel. But just the fact that he's thinking long term, he's starting to think he wants to invest and save for the future, I thought was pretty good. Um, But going back up to the top, I'm hoping to instill in him the need for godly counsel before he does investing in the future. And then kids don't have taxes, but they need to realize that, you know, I already said that when they get a paycheck, the money is not all theirs. So for them to have to start putting away for savings for something that they don't even understand just kind of helps them to realize that as they grow older in life, yeah, they're not going to have their whole paycheck. Um, Okay. All right, so now that we've done... Our tithes and our offerings and our savings, now we have money for spending. And I wanted to start off by saying, choose your friends wisely. And I know this has nothing to do with stewardship, right? Oh, it has so much to do with stewardship. If you're hanging around people who want the latest and the greatest, and everybody has it, the peer pressure is incredible. (coughs) and they need to realize that their friends are going to influence their spending. I got one here, I just haven't. Um, They don't think about that kind of stuff, and you know what, honestly, we don't either. But you know there is a real thing about keeping up with the Joneses, isn't there? And not that they can't have those friends, But they need to be aware of their friends' influence on their spending habits. Um, This is another thing that we liked, uh, we did one time. Now, these are all different ages. I think, okay, I don't have this up here, but when we're talking about ages for kids, as soon as they can start getting things, they can start tithing. Now, that's even for infants. You know, they get a present from Grandma, you tithe for them. They don't understand it, I know. But they need to be in the habit of doing it. If it just happens all the way along, I think that they can start, as soon as they can start counting to 10, they can start learning about finances. Because 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, number 10, number 1 goes to God, number 2 goes for offerings, number 3 goes for savings. That's that's around 3 or 4. You can actually start working with them. But you can talk about it all the way along. So one of the things that we did one time was to talk to the kids about how much we made and we told them how much we made in a month, and their eyes just go like, wow, boy, they thought we had a lot of money, (laughs) and then we said, but this is how much goes for the house, this is how much goes for electricity, this is how much goes for our food, because you want to eat, this is how much is for clothes, this is how much is for insurance, this is how much is for gas for the car, and we went down until we showed them what was really left at the end of the month, and then that gave them a more realistic, I was like, oh, okay. But they need to see that. Um, I don't, I don't think it's good to have secrets. Um, The children need to be aware of, of what's going on in the family, and if you're, if you're having a financial um, stress, and there's difficulty, and there's um, tax, or bill collectors, and, and Kids need to be aware of that, and we don't want to scare them. We don't want to say, oh, you're going to lose your house. We don't want to put that fear in them. But, you know, when they're going off and asking for expensive things in the store and and you're struggling to make ends meet, they need to know, you know, we're in this together as a family, and right now mommy and daddy don't have many. There's times where we've been really, really tight, and I told the kids, Right now, for the next two or three months, there's there, there's no padding. You guys are just going to have to really rein it in. And then when we have a little bit more, it's like, okay, we're a little bit looser now. If you want something, now would be a good time. Um, and if the kids are in on the family, they're more able to share the burdens with you. Um, we need to teach them contentment. Be happy with what you have. Um, this is another one where I probably have not done such a good job. At least I feel like I haven't. Because... My kids want the latest stuff, and it frustrates me to no end Uh, when they're buying a phone and they have to have, you know, the top of the line, well, or almost the top of the line. Um, But it's their money, so I have to give them my counsel and then bite my tongue. (laughs) But we we need to teach them contentment all the way along. Be content with what you have. Um... Shopping just because you see something doesn't mean you need it. Honestly, the less you go into the store, and the less they watch TV, the less they're going to ask for. I honestly, and it's the same for me. If I stay out of the stores, I don't, I don't feel a need because I don't know what I'm missing. Have you ever have you have you seen? That? It's like, oh, I need that. Well, ten minutes ago you didn't need it. Why is it now that you see it you think you need it? I. I don't know, that's contentment. We've got to be content with what we have. We need to teach them about debt. And um, might as well just show you this right now. Um, these are some great resources. And I thought I had the right book, and now I didn't. I, you said I should put down the book page, and I said I'd remember. <laughs> All right, anyway, one of these... Page books on page thirty nine. It shows if you spend so much and you put it on debt, how much you will actually end up spending on that item. I'll find it and I'll show you. Um, and it's amazing when you when you pay something on time. You want to look for it. It's in one of these, or no? Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's the same for debt as well as for investing. And if you show them that as well for investing, you say you take $1,000 and you invest it now and you don't invest anything more, or you wait for 20 years and you start doing $1,000 a year, you're still gonna end up with more if you started 20 years earlier. Even if without, it's, it's just amazing the, the principles of compounding. So you wanna show them how much the action's been. And honestly, the Bible says, oh, no man, anything. Except the debt of love or gratitude, there it is. okay, thank you. All right, so let's say you have five thousand five hundred and sixty in credit card debt at eighteen percent, and your minimum payment is ninety bucks. Oh, I can handle ninety bucks, right? Okay, so um the amount that you're gonna end up paying um, is. It's going to take you thirty years to pay it off. That's a five thousand dollar, five thousand five hundred dollar bill at eighteen percent at ninety dollars a month takes you thirty years to pay off. And it's amazing um, if you waited and saved that thousand dollars or that five thousand dollars, you could have it done so much less time. So these are things that are really great to teach them. Um, and the bottom it says, talk about finances. Just talk about it. We need to say it more often. Slip it in here and there, you know, oh no man anything, don't go into debt. Um, we're committed to helping you through without debt. And honestly, um, one of the ways I think that we slip into debt without even realizing it is when the kids ask us for something that they don't have money for and we buy it for them anyway and then we let them pay us back, that's debt. And so for us, you know, if the kids didn't have the money and we weren't going to buy it for them outright, they didn't get it. We didn't front them the money. Now, the only time I fronted them the money is if I knew their money was at home, they didn't have it with them in the store, okay? That I would do. If I knew that they had it, they just didn't have it with them, I would pay for it. They would pay me back as soon as they got home. I
1: I went ahead and fudged on that one a little bit to um, say to the kids, we're going to go shopping, and we're going to pray and ask God to guide us so that we'll make wise purchases, or get sale prices, or somehow be the best stewards we possibly can be. And so we have a little prayer before we hit the stores, and then we hit the stores, we come back, and we find out we get all kinds of bargains, and it's just like, see, God is pouring out His blessings on us already. We've saved a whole lot of money today um, in what He's provided.
2: And it's so true. And you know what? It's so fun to watch their excitement when they find um, a, a real good deal. They're just like, oh, wow, look, God God took care of it. It's like, yep, he sure did. And then I skipped the one on worships. I think that's a great way of teaching kids, too. Um, if we wait until there's this need or they're wanting something, if you're waiting until the moment of conflict around finances, they're not as receptive. Um, but if you can start teaching... I'm, I'm sure that some of you have seen these books. you know read a story for worship and talk about it. This is another one that I really like. It has just really short, devotional a Bible verse and a little story to go along with it. Use these for worship and and teach the kids how what God says about money. Yes. Oh, faithful stewardship um, you can get this one from from um, Advent Source over and over again is actually out of print, but um and I have it on, actually, maybe now's a good time. Go ahead and pass that out. Um, you can get it on the website. They actually have all of these stories on the web, so you can get one um, off. And I have that on the resource page that I'm passing out. And as long as we're passing that out, I'm going to go ahead and go over um, some stuff here that I like. Okay, so those those three are great for stories and worship talks and just teaching. Okay, for... You got you, adults? This is a great book. Really good book. You can get it at the ABC. It's Your Money, Isn't It? I love that book. The other one that I like probably as much, if not even a little bit more, is Faith and Finance. If your church is looking to do a financial seminar for adults, this is what I would highly recommend. We've done it in our churches before, and it's been very effective. The principles in here are biblical and easy to understand, and it really helps to foster, um, it's kind of like for a small group, um, good discussion questions. Faith and finance. So that's for putting in your own heart first. Now, if you're wanting to put it in your kid's heart, this is my favorite series. It's by Howard and Bev Dayton, and they have one... The ABCs of Handling Money is for ages five to seven. Very, very simple. Good pictures um, and little questions for the kids. And it just, it's the very basics about money management for about five to seven. Then they have one here for eight to 12 year olds and it's called The Secret of Handling Money God's Way. It goes a little bit deeper um, for that age. And then once you're into your teens, discovering God's way of handling money. This one is really good. Um, we've done this one at school. At uh, AJA we did this. With the, with the upper graders, I think it was, I think we did it with the ninth and 10th graders. And we did it for a class for them, which was good. These would also work well. And these, um, for the younger kids, there is a, a leader's guide. If you're doing it in your family, you don't need that. (laughs) If you're going to do it in a classroom situation, you might like that. But um, if you're doing it in the family, all you need is the kid's workbook. This one, um, the thing that I really like about these is it's a weekly study. um, But you're studying the Bible. And then in addition, they have a, a place where the kids can put prayer requests. And if you're doing it in a small group... Um, if it's your own kids, you pretty much know what their prayer requests are. But it's really nice to write the prayer requests down and answers. And every week we would go over that and, and share what our next prayer requests are and was there an answer. So I really like that. Um, there's also another series, um, not quite as colorful, but maybe just a little cheaper. Um, and this one is by Larry Burkett. And there's, there's Money Matters for Teens and Money Matters for Kids, so um, this is kind of all-inclusive, and then this one has a book and workbooks to go with it, depending upon the age, age 11 to 14 and 15 to 18. Um, my kids preferred this one, although these, um, there are really cute cartoons in there that are kind of funny, and the the kids used to love looking through and reading the cartoons, little jokes and stuff. So it's just whatever your preferences and afterwards you guys are welcome to come up and and browse through these and see what you like. Um, Crown also has um, Lifeway Pathways and Personality ID. This is for your older children when they're starting to try and figure out what they want to do for life. Um, uh, It's a great personality assessment or career assessment tool that you can get from Crown. That's really good too. Anyway, all that stuff's up here for you guys to look at later. All right, so what else do we teach our kids? Okay, we need to teach them about honesty and restitution. The Bible is pretty clear about that. Um, If you stole something and you were caught with it, you had to restore it and double or triple. If you stole something and they found out but you didn't have it, you had to pay back more. Um, Zacchaeus said he was gonna restore fourfold That was the whole point of restitution. If you take something, you don't just return it. You return it and then some. Um, And, you know, kids struggle with this. Um, I remember Rebecca, we came out of a store. She had a little chapstick. And I know I didn't buy it. And I didn't find out until we got home. And we took her back to the store. And let me tell you, it was hard for me. It was hard for me, but I knew if I didn't make her do that, it would be a problem. So we went back to the store and talked to the manager and, and you know she confessed that she had stolen that, and thankfully, of course, they were pretty easy on her. But um, they took her in and they showed her where they had all the monitors and how they watched and and it was a very humbling experience, <laughs> but i wanted I didn't want to let it slide, you know. Um, that's something that really, um, the devil knows our hearts and he knows our weaknesses and he knows our kids' weaknesses. And he'll really hone in on those things that he, he thinks he can get them. Um, honesty also, I like to teach my kids, would you spend your own money on something? And we did this sometimes when we would go shopping. There was something that they really wanted me to get for them. And I asked them, okay, well, are you willing to pay for it with your own money? Um, and they'd have to think about that. And then sometimes they'd say no. It's like, okay, then we're not getting it. And sometimes they would say, yeah, I would. And then I was willing to buy it for them as a gift because I knew it was something that was important enough that they would be willing to spend their own money. Um, I didn't do that often because I didn't want them to just start saying yes just to get me to buy something for them. But I wanted them to evaluate... How important, you know, it's one thing if it's mom's money, it's another if it's my money. I wanted them to, I'm not using the mic, can you guys hear me? Okay, good, because I'm not going to use that. I I wanted them to really stop and think about it. Um, But it's the same with employer's money. You know, if you wouldn't do something, you know, um, the conference will pay for us if we're traveling, you know, to, to have a motel. I'm going to stay in the same kind of motel I would stay in if I was spending my own money. Okay, am I going to go get a four or five star because I know somebody else is paying for it? That's not right. That's not honest. So I'm going to want to, to spend other people's money the same way I would spend my own money. And I, I trained my kids. I told my kids that. I'm not sure training. I told them how what my, what my values were. I'm hoping they caught my values. I'm not always sure they did. But that's where it comes across talking about it, telling him what your values are. are not
0: taking advantage of Grandma and Grandpa. So oh, yes. Grandma and Grandpa will give that I'll just ask him to give me
2: whatever I want. Grandma and Grandpa, that's true. If you wouldn't spend your own money, don't spend Grandma and Grandpa's money that way. Yep, very good. Okay, um, that kind of goes into work ethic. There's a text, and I'm stressed right now, and I'm not going to think what it is, about God giving us our our position in our, do you know what that is? It it power, to well. power to get well, thank you, honey. <laughs> so um, he's in control of our skills and our successes. And we want to bring glory to him in our work. Um, I know we used to live here, we lived here for six years and while my kids were in academy and, and I had a lot of association with the with the campus here and this is the age where they're supposed to be learning all that stuff. And a lot of times the kids had a problem with work ethic. They would, you know, they didn't work very hard. They were a little bit lazy and, and maybe didn't come to work on time. And they just weren't, it, hopefully by the time they were seniors they got it, because the staff really tries to help them learn these things. But we need to teach them at home before they get here. Um, one of the things is when my when kids were little, I took a job as a janitor. Because I want, and I, we were cleaning the church. I wanted my kids to help me clean the church. Now we have to be careful that you know all the work rules. And I didn't tell the conference; <laughs> I just did it. You know, I was the I was the employee. My, but I had my kids helping me. We'd go to church and we would clean, and they learned how to clean toilets. They learned how to scrub floors, um, and this at this point they were. Let's see. They were first, second, third grade, right around that age. And so when, they, when Camp Meeting came and they were old enough, they started working here on the, on the campground. And I remember Rebecca coming to me and she said, Mom, these girls just don't know how to clean the bathroom. They go in there and they say, Ew, these hair! She says, I just get in there and clean it up. Well, because she'd grown up cleaning up hair and cleaning, you know, if there's a dirty toilet, she'll just get in there and do it because she's done it since she was little. And I think they, you know, they need to clean their own bathrooms at the house. But when they cleaned the church, they were so much more aware of God's house, number one, and of people's um, disregard for it. They would see a wrapper, a gum wrapper on the floor, and they'd say, why did somebody do that? They had to pick it up for somebody else and it would frustrate them. And so they were much more careful about them throwing things away because they knew somebody had to come after them to clean it up. I think a janitor's job is wonderful for a child to learn. I, you know, we talk about starting at the bottom. I think that it gives them an awareness of, of other people. You know, my kids, and even now, when they see a janitor, they have a, a real appreciation for their job because it's something that they did. But any kind of a hard manual labor, um, I think is good. Yeah. Okay, then there's this whole debate about allowances versus chores. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you have to figure it out for yourself. I don't have a right answer. I don't think there is a right or a wrong answer. The one thing that I would say <clears throat> is that we, if we're going to do, um, there, there's pros and cons both ways. If you're going to pay for chores, I would not pay for all of them. I think that children need to be invested in the family just because they're a family member. And um, so there were chores that we expected of our children they did not get paid for. They did it because they were a family member and we all did things to help our family stay together. They need to feel that. But there were chores that we did pay them for. We paid them for oil changes for the boys and just different ones that were above and beyond the regular, the washing dishes, the emptying the trash, those were all just expected as, as a family member.
1: If I'm going to give, you know, we'll give you this amount of money if you do that. You know, what they found, research has found that that actually turns them off to doing it. So now they don't want to do it unless you give them the money. And if you don't get the money, and then over time, they even might get slothful of that. And they say, well, it's worth more money than that. You know, they want more money. So that's one of the quickest ways to extinguish the work ethic value is to give them that money. It's better sometimes that they do something and you say later, let's celebrate that we got the house painted or something, and you go and do something so they don't, as closely related, they're giving me money for what I did. It's more of a celebration kind of thing. But that is, there's a lot of research on that. You do not want to get in the habit of like buying them to do things because then their motivation goes down the tubes and their desire to be of help just because of intrinsic values is gone.
2: He's just finishing reading a book on what motivates people. (laughs) And then I think that some things are worthy of them being paid for. And um, there's a parenting class that we do, Growing Kids God's Way, that talks about teaching children the value of a dollar. And what they did, um, they had a rock pile. Or you know how in the springtime all the rocks are coming up and the kids would move the rocks from the field and put them in a rock pile. And... This was a while ago, but if they filled up a big bucket, they and every trip to the rock pile with this big bucket of rocks was worth a dollar. And so they got the concept that this is how much work it takes to get a dollar. And the story was that when... Um, The kids were grown up and bought a house. He asked, you know, how much did your house cost? And they said 156 trips to the, or no, 156,000 trips to the rock pile. (laughs) So they still had that concept of, you know, a dollar means is this much work. And I think it's good, you know, you're talking about 20 or $30 to clean a a living room. Is that really, um, you know, I suppose if he spent three hours, then maybe that would be worthwhile. But if you can clean the living room in 20 minutes, then we're not teaching in the value of a dollar, he thinks. 20 minutes is worth 20 or $30. Then we're, that's just, and I'm glad you said no way. <laughs> oh. Okay. One of the great ways of helping kids to learn to live on a budget is to use an envelope system. And you can make that as, sim- more as, simple, as simple or complicated as their age, yes? Ours
0: are 10, 11, and what we use is, we look carefully, but we found a coupon caddy that had six pages to it. And we label it savings, title offerings, spending money, you know, clothing. You know, we divide it up into six basic groups, and that's how we do ours. We really like that.
2: It is an awesome way, because when the money in that envelope is gone, you stop spending. <laughs> so, and, and then also... If you're able to not spend it all that month and you get more the next month, then you'll have a larger amount that you can spend on something that's a a bigger ticket item. So, um, I really encourage the use of some kind of an envelope system. There's a lot of them out there, but that's really simple. You just get something that has slots in it. Yes. The challenge is when young kids, when they're really young, they see something in the store they
0: want, they know that they have money at home and that time and offering place. Thing. and so we want to make sure that you put that up somewhere where you're not because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the temptation is for instant gratification um, we've got money let's go
2: over it well and as soon as they pay their tithes and offerings they should be sent you know that week they should take it into church put it in yep and and don't don't wait up that was something that I was not good at I would wait and we'd do it once a month and I wish that we had done that every week as soon as they got it, even if it's 10 cents I know it makes a little bit more work for the treasure yeah. <laughs> But, you know, have them in the habit of as soon as they get it, give it. Because if it's in there, it's going to be a temptation. And then, um, you know, we talked about our family things that uh, we let our kids help decide how we'd spend family money. But I would really encourage your kids to find their own individual projects with their money as well. Again, it helps them to feel invested. And kids by nature have very generous hearts. And there were times where my kids wanted to give all their money. And my instinct was to say, well, you don't have to give all of it. And I would have to just bite my tongue and, and let them. And then maybe later on in the week, they would be sorry that they did. But you'd, have, you'd help them encourage you know, encourage them that, you know, think about what good that did. Think about how you were feeling when you wanted to give them money. Think about how you felt right after you gave them money. You may be disappointed now, but these are all teaching moments. And as parents, we can't stifle that generous spirit that our children have. I think that we are probably our own worst enemies when it comes to that. Because I, I know it was a struggle for me when I saw my kids wanting to give it all.
1: <laughs> There's one thing that's fun, too. Um, when Christmas comes around, it's easy to get selfish. So I want that or I want this or something like that the address you could buy a whale for this amount of money you could buy a cow for somebody to help them make a livelihood in a third world country for this amount of money or a goat or something so that they could actually see that they're investing money and in helping people and sometimes it'd take a while to save up to get that but then they could go shopping with the money that they've been saving and invest in something that's meaningful to them kids like project giving because they see tangible results for it it's a lot of fun
2: yeah it's called the Adra gift catalog really great um, the other thing that we—I just read recently, and I could not find it to put it in here, but um, or maybe it was you read it. Um, but Ellen White talked about when we have birthdays, we always give our kids gifts, and we only read this recently. I wish I'd read it a long time ago, but we did do this for Christmas. Um, instead of giving money to the kids. Say, I have this much money, what would you like me to do with it for somebody else? So um, for Christmas, we still gave them gifts, but um, we did half and half. We did half gifts for them, and half we gave as a gift for some project that they were interested in. And because uh, too often we, we encourage this me focus. You know, birthdays and Christmases, it all becomes about me. And I, I think we need to do whatever we can to encourage a generous spirit instead of a selfish spirit. So um, I can't remember what the boys said, I, but when they said it, it was like, oh, wow, I didn't even think about that. Uh, it's gone for me now, but um, they, had, they had a project that they wanted us to invest in for them, and I think that's, you know, a lot of times people do that for, you know, when people die, you know, in lieu of flowers, give money. Why do we wait until people die to do that? We can do that now. So um, there was something else I was going to bring up under work ethic that I forgot and I'm going to bring, slip it in now. Um, when my kids worked here at GLAW, um, they, they worked to help for their school, the bill. And that's awesome. And by the way, GLAW is affordable because they really do a good job of giving, giving kids jobs. I had some nieces and nephews that went to school somewhere else that was cheaper, but they couldn't find jobs. So it ended up being that we spent the same money as they did because we, they provide jobs here, and you know it's hard to get jobs. These kids have, you know, when you go out of the school environment, they have a very difficult time finding jobs. Here, the school gives them jobs. It's Awesome, but all the money goes on their bill, so the kids don't see the money, um, and that was a little bit of a problem for my kids. Um, I found the first year or so, they um, Sometimes, you know, they wanted a day off, they would check with their supervisor. They would get it off. They would do all the right steps to get it off. But for them, it wasn't a problem. They're just not working. They don't see the impact of it. So I decided, and this is something that we worked with our kids on. We said, okay, we will give you 10% of whatever you make at the school. That was, you know, we would give it to them. The school wouldn't. But we were getting the benefit because we weren't having to pay the school bill that much. So I gave them 10% of whatever they made. Let me tell you, all of a sudden they're picking up extra shifts (laughs) because they're getting a little bit of benefit out of it. And um, 10% wasn't much. And I did expect a certain amount of work for them. And so they finally came to me and they said, mom, if we work extra shifts, can we get the entire amount? And I don't remember exactly. I think think we ended up figuring 50-50 for when they picked up extra shifts. So that made them much more motivated to actually, you know, they knew that their school bill was being paid for, but that was such an intangible. And so for me to just give them a small amount to make it tangible increased their motivation. Now, I'm not sure that that would go along with what your book is saying, honey, but (laughs) it worked for us. (laughs) Okay, um, I wanted to leave time for question and answers. Um, I gave you that sheet that gives you resources. Um, I have all of these books on there. And I also have some web pages. Did I put down? OK, I put down Crown. I love Crown. That is a great resource. But there's also some other ones. So do you guys have questions and answers, or things that you found that really worked well for you? Because I think we can learn from each other as well.
0: Yes? We um doing um, do Say that again? YNAB.com
2: you need a budget
0: for our finances and my YNAB. daughter
2: YNAB
0: you not
2: you need, not. need a budget, YNA need a budget. YNAB okay dot-com I'm repeating it so that it goes on the report recording
0: and when our daughter got a job at university because she's at Andrew's Academy um, she earns two three thousand dollars a year now she's 15 uh, we told her, you're paying for everything except your tuition. You're just yes. for everything. If You go on a mission trip, you want to go back to California, if you want to do a banquet, paying for it. And I set her up on the same budget. And she's still sitting next to me with me doing it. It's been about 10 months now. Mm-hmm. But she's almost there, ready to do it by
2: herself. And that is awesome. Yeah. And the more that they can... Uh, That is probably another thing that I did, and this is why I told Gail, I did not feel qualified to do this seminar, because there's so many things I did wrong when I was raising my kids, but I did, huh? That's how you learned it. Oh, I did a lot of the budgeting for the kids, and um, I wish I'd had them do more of their, I, I did my kids' taxes, and this year I made my daughter do her own taxes, and she was freaked out. I was there with her, I helped her through it, but it's like, man, I should have had her doing this a lot earlier. So yeah, I'm so glad that you're getting her started early. Her daughter is 15 and doing her own budgeting. I was gonna say one other thing about shopping, just, and then I'll, um, when you, we need to teach our children how to shop as well. You know, my kids have learned, I always, when I go in a store, um, at least a clothing store, first place I go is the clearance. I don't even look at the regular price stuff. I go straight to the clearance and the kids need to learn that, you know, different places in the store cost different amounts. Don't just go to the stuff that's right in the front when you walk in because you're going to spend big bucks for that. Um, And then the other thing is, uh, you know, this whole thing about brand names and kids. Oh, we struggled with that. We did a lot of shopping at Goodwill. And you can find And my daughter. She said, Mom, this is brand name stuff. It's like, yeah, you just have to know how to look through it. But she would go to her kids and her friends and she was wearing the same thing they were and they spent 50 bucks and she spent five, you know, and she was so proud of it. Not so much anymore, but when she was young, she was just, Mom, I only spent $5 and they spent $50 for the same thing. So when, when brand names became a big deal and they didn't like to shop at Goodwill anymore, which that, that transition did happen, I told them, this is what I would spend I will put that much towards it. If you want it at, a, at a, from the mall, you're going to have to make up the difference. And so that's one way. If that was something that was really important to them, they would have to use their own money for the extra. That was when I was buying them clothes. I don't buy their clothes anymore, but when I was buying their clothes, that's one way that we would work it out. So they would have to spend the extra for the big name. Actually, she was for, and then I'll come to you. Yeah.
0: I think work ethics are very important when we're teaching our children. I, know, I don't know what labor laws are now when didn't have jobs in, in places like restaurants, but when our oldest daughters were growing up, they went to work in, both of them went to work in a restaurant in our little hometown at age of 14, and they worked as waitresses, and they were they were never allowed to cash their paycheck. This was the, our our rule. The paycheck goes to the bank. Yes. Your tips.
2: You oh, leave. there you go. But
0: you take your tithe you out of everything.
2: Uh-huh. So okay so let me let me repeat that um, her kids worked as waitresses, and they were never allowed to cash their checks. Their checks went straight to the bank. The tips is what they got to, to, for spending money after tithes
0: and by having to use it this way, their tips were what they had for the extra spending money after tithes. Then they learned the value of doing a good job. good
2: job, job. there to you go to yes a better tip that's right that's a good idea they because they were they got the um, tips they were they tried to do their very best so they got better tips. <laughs> it's time to start teaching. And you know what, I don't want anybody here to leave discouraged. I'll, all we're trying to do is give you some more tips and go home and do one thing better this year, you know? And any one step that you take is more than you would have had before this class. So God, restore the years the locusts have taken. I love that verse. So we just go to the Lord and say, you know, and go to the kids and say, you know what guys, Mommy, it feels like this is an area that I've not done well in, and I am sorry. And we're going to do something different now. Um, you know, we, sometimes we have to apologize to our kids. I've said, you know, guys, I this is one that I, area I didn't do very well with you guys in, and, and I'm sorry. And, and all we have to, all we God just wants us to do better. You know, he he's not. Thankfully, he doesn't expect perfection from us in one day. And you know what? Honestly, kids will um, respond to the level of determination that you have. And they know, you know, they can get away with it. yeah, if you say, well, no, I can't. And, and you have a, a little bit of a fluctuation in your voice. Like I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm supposed to say no. But if you convince me, otherwise, you know, you can, change, you know, they'll just work you, work you, work you, work you. But if you say no, and they know there's no chance and you change your mind, they'll, they'll, they'll realize.
0: When you're just starting out, and one of the things that I read on the internet and I started using it, it works so well. Once they ask me a question and I give an answer and they keep asking or pleading, my answer is asked and answered.
2: Oh, that's good. Asked, asked and answered. Asked
0: and answered. Mm-hmm. After a while, they get tired of hearing it.
2: Asked. In other asked. words, you've already asked it and it's already been answered. Asked and answered. Yep. Answered. Processing it.
0: Uh, this I've been working on this, trying to figure out the right balance of what should I make it to be a tour and what should they get paid for. Yep. M6, eight, and ten. They can't go out and sell things. They can't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do? It is a struggle. So, I searched and searched on Pinterest and all that fun stuff. About yep, anything. there's a lot of stuff out there. So, I've come up with where I have popsicle sticks. I have um I have three kids, so you know, you have a lot to do for three kids. And um I have it that uh, by every day, so every day they have maybe two or three tours. Simple little quick things. This thing is tool. So you can expect a lot. And then they can choose to do it that day, or we can do it all on Friday. <laughs> um, Friday. You know, for where, um but so they have a choice. And whatever they do get done is um they get paid for on the back of the stick I have, how much it's worth, mm-hmm. and um, if they get it done, they get paid for it, and if they don't, they don't get paid for it, and then there's those chores where, like, cleaning their room stuff, they don't get paid for those type of tours, and so... Since we start the end of the school year, it's been kind of slow, but I'm hoping summer to
2: really I Good for you. I, you know, I applaud every step that you guys are taking. And we're time. We're going to have closing prayer, and then we'll stay around. If you guys want to look at resources or continue talking, we don't mind, but we want to let people go.
1: heads, Lord, we thank you that uh, you've given us this book of knowledge called the Bible with all sorts of principles to help us. Lord, give us wisdom as we seek to train our children in the way they should go and help these principles of stewardship have its impact on us, that it would help to change our characters, to mold them after your character of benevolence and kindness and selfishness, and to help us to be like Jesus, we pray. And we thank you for your help and your leading in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you
0: by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse,